And welcome to the Word Encounter, episode 206, where we are in the book of Luke, and we will begin in chapter 21 as we completed chapter 20 yesterday. And the title says, The Widow's Gift. And if you recall, if you've been following along with us, we covered this in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44, in episode 195. And uh, verse 3 Verses 3 and 4, I believe, are keys to to this uh, passage right here. It says, Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For all these people have put in gifts out of their uh, surplus, but she out of her poverty has put in all she had to live on. And so Jesus was witnessing uh, people coming through the temple, dropping in their uh, offerings into the, the pot, and he noticed that uh, with his disciples, a lot of the rich folks coming along, putting in a lot of money into the pot. And here comes this uh, widow uh, putting in, in comparison, a penance into the pot. But it was all she had, all she had to live on. She didn't have any more. And Jesus was way more impressed with what she put in, even though it was just a smidgen in comparison to what the other people were putting in, because they were putting in uh, from their surplus. Surplus. They didn't really need it. She needed everything, but she put it all in. <clears throat> Destruction of the temple predicted. And so we see this in Matthew chapter 24, verses 1 through 2, in episode 189. A key verse here is in verse 6. Uh, it says, these things that you see, the days will come when not one, uh, these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left on another that will not be thrown down. So they were, uh, you know, looking at the, uh, the beautiful stones and the gifts uh, that had been dedicated to the uh, temple of God. And Jesus is essentially saying, don't be impressed by this because a day is coming where all of this is going to be tor- torn down. It's not going to be left standing. Signs of the end of the age. Uh, we see this in Matthew chapter 24, verses 3 through 8. And um, key verses, let's drop down here to verse 12. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you. They will hand you over uh, to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to bear witness. Therefore, make up your minds not to prepare your defense ahead of time, for I will give you such words and a wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. So Jesus is telling them, look, days of persecution are coming. So uh, so prepare for it. The days of of persecution are coming and you will be taken before kings and princes and people of royalty and whatnot. But this is all going to be done by design. This is all going to be done as a part of my plan, because you're going to be able to stand in front of people of influence and don't worry about what you're going to say, because my Holy Spirit will be in you and my Holy Spirit will give you the words to deliver in that day at that time. Don't be concerned about what may come, because you will be given what you need when it's time for you to need it. The words will be so powerful and so convincing that nobody will be able to resist or contradict them. And so Jesus is instilling them with confidence that it's not on them. You're a part of my plan and what's coming is going to come from me into you and out of your mouth to them. Don't be concerned. Don't be anxious. Don't be worried. This is what's going to take place. 
the, let's see, let's drop down further. And we have a lot of things that we've already covered before. But let's, let's go, go down to verse 34, the need for watchfulness. It says in verse 34, be on your guard so that your minds are not dulled from carousing, drunkenness, and, and the worries of life. Or that day will come on you unexpectedly like a trap. Again, the Lord is, is, is admonishing us. He's telling us, look, be prepared. Be ready. Because the time is coming. And you don't know when it is. And the Lord has already said before in his word that I don't know what it is. Only God the Father knows when it is. But it's coming. And when it comes, <laughs> he's warning people, don't be caught off guard. Be prepared when it comes. So that your minds are not dulled from carousing from drunkenness, and from the worries of life. See, it says that day will come on you unexpectedly like a trap. So don't be caught in the things of the world. Be on guard, be ready. Always be ready. For it will come on all who live in the face, uh, for it will come on all who live on the faith of the, on the face of the whole earth. It's going to come to everybody. Nobody's going to escape this. You see, Nobody. But be alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Be alert at all times, praying, see, that we might have the strength to escape these things that are going to take place. I think this does have, uh, have something to do with physically escaping, but I think more importantly what it may have to do with is mentally, emotionally, and spiritually escaping the entrapment of culture. Resist all of that stuff. Stay heavenly minded. Stay spiritually minded. So you may escape the temptation of that day. Escape the temptation of turning from me and then woe to you. This is a warning from Jesus. Let's go on to chapter 22, and it says, The plot to kill Jesus. The festival of unleavened bread, which is called Passover, was approaching. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, who was uh, numbered among the twelve. He was one of the twelve disciples. He went away. Well, at this point, I think at this point, Jesus had appointed them apostles because he had, in fact, sent them out. Apostle is a sent one, and he had, in fact, sent them out. So at this point, I think they're apostles. So Judas was an apostle because it says he was numbered among the twelve. He went away and discussed with the chief priests and temple police how he could hand them over to them. So Judas departs from the twelve. He goes, he finds the chief priests and the temple police. He says, look, I know this guy, Jesus. How, how can I get him to you? <laughs> they were glad and agreed to give him silver. Or it says he got 30 pieces of silver. It was prophesied that that is what it would take to uh, betray the Lord. So he accepted the offer and started looking for a good opportunity to betray him um, to them, uh, to betray him to them when the crowd was not present. So since Judas was with Jesus all the time, he had an idea, I guess, for what his schedule was and what would be the opportune time and place for them to intercept Jesus without a crowd being around. Didn't want to cause a stir. Didn't want to be accused of anything. Preparation for the Passover. 
We cover this in Matthew chapter 26, verses 17 through 25 in episode 190. Key phrases or key verses here, verse 8. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparation for us to eat the Passover. Where, uh, where, would, where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. Listen, he said to them, when you've entered the city, a man carrying a water jug will meet you. Follow him into the house. He enters. The key here for me is that Jesus always enables the people he sends on a mission. See? So he told, uh, who was it, Peter and who? Peter and John, go prepare a place for the Passover. And so Peter and John said, okay, where do you want us to go? So Jesus then equips them on what to do and what to say so that they can prepare uh, the place for a proper Passover supper. See, he just didn't say just go do it and just, and just didn't give them any assistance. He equipped them. So when we go on a mission from God, as it, said in the, as it says in one of the movies, uh, when you're sent on a mission from God, he does not send you empty-handed. He does not send you without being prepared. He prepares you. He equips you mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, every way. He is not going to send you on a mission that is doomed to failure. So you are going to be properly equipped if you are, in fact, sent on a mission from the Lord. Now, if you're sent on a mission from yourself, maybe not. If it's coming from your own soulish mentality and, 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 and experience, then maybe not. But if you're truly sent from the Lord, you will be equipped and prepared. <clears throat> the first Lord's Supper in verse 14, it says, uh, we covered this in Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 30 in episode 190. <clears throat> A key verse for me is verse nine, verses 19 and 20. And he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. This is the basis of our present day communion, right? The body and the blood of Jesus. We partake of the body and the blood of Jesus. We partake of the body of Jesus in remembrance of him, in remembrance of when he walked the earth, in remembrance that he was in fact a man, in remembrance that he was in fact tempted by all things that man is tempted by, in remembrance that we can trust in him because he endured uh, the human experience. And so when we take communion uh, and, and we partake of the bread, we do it in the remembrance of Jesus. When we partake of the cup, it's a sign of the New Testament or I should say the new covenant that is sealed in his blood, which was spilled, which was poured out for the remission of our sins so that we might have the opportunity to choose Jesus. Without the spilled blood, we don't have the opportunity. We don't have the opportunity because without the spilled blood, there is no sacrifice. And so a sacrifice has to be made for the remission of sin. And so Jesus' blood was powerful enough to cover sin present and into the future. So no other animal sacrifices, no other blood need to be spilt in order for our sins to be atoned for. See, 
So we partake of the bread in remembrance of Jesus. We partake of the cup in order to remind us of the new covenant deal. The great deal, the great exchange, if you will, that has taken place on our behalf. The dispute over greatness in verse 24. Then the dispute also arose among them about who should be considered the greatest, them being the disciples or the apostles. And so they're doing what humans do, right? Who's, who's going to be the greatest amongst us? Who's going to, this Jesus guy keeps saying he's going to leave, uh, he's going to die, he's going to leave us. When he leaves, who's going to be the boss? Who's going to be the greatest? Verse 25. But Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who have authority over them have, them th- have themselves called benefactors. And so Jesus is saying, look, the kings that you're aware of, they have subjects, and they they, they, they rule harshly over them and they convince themselves that it's for their benefit, it's for their subject's benefit that we're ruling over them. See? In verse 26, it is, not, uh, it is not to be like that amongst you. In other words, what you're uh, familiar with, uh, apostles, this isn't how it's going to be amongst you. On the contrary, whoever is greatest among you should become like the youngest. And whoever leads, like the one serving. Again, Jesus turning things upside down. This is what you're familiar with. But it's not to be like this. It's to be like this. See, we're going to turn this thing upside down. So the greatest amongst you will be the one who serves everybody else. He's not the one that's going to be served. In verse 27, for who is greater, the one at the table or the one serving? Isn't the one at the table? But I among you as the one who serves. See, so Jesus is, is, is posing a question with an, an, uh, with a supposedly obvious answer. The one at the table is greater because he's the one being served. Jesus is saying, uh-uh. <laughs> uh-uh. 29, I bestow on you a kingdom. And so he switches up now. He, he tries to correct their thinking. And now he switches up. I bestow on you a kingdom, just as my father bestowed on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and you will sit on the thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. He gets this thinking correct, then he tells you, look, we need to get down to business here. I'm bestowing on you a kingdom, just as my father bestowed one on me. And I'm doing this so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And you will also judge the 12 tribes of Israel alongside me. Peter's denial predicted in verse 31. This doesn't appear in the Gospels of Matthew or Mark. It says, Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Now notice a few things here. Peter's been singled out. Why? I don't know. Maybe Satan knew that Peter was going to be a key in this whole thing. But the second thing is, is that Satan has asked what? He's asked permission. Satan has asked to sift you like a wheat. Excuse me. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. He can't just do it. He can't just do this to Peter. He has to ask. It's like when, when the devil asked uh, God 
about tormenting Job. He couldn't just go do it. He had to ask. What does that tell you about Satan's power? Can he just do whatever he wants to do anytime he wants to do it? I think not. He has to get permission. Verse 32. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when you have turned back, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And so let's notice some things here. But I pray for you that your faith may not fail. So Jesus is praying that Peter's faith may not fail. Now, why is he doing that? Because he knows that he's going to be susceptible to doing so. In fact, he knows he's going to do it. And you, Peter, when you have turned back, see, so Jesus is telling Peter that you're going to turn away from me. But I'm beyond that. I know you're going to turn away from me. But when you turn back, Peter, you're going to turn away from me. But fear not, because you're going to turn back. See, And you, when you have turned back, I want you to strengthen your brothers. See, because Peter, you're going to fail. You're going to fall. But you're going to get back up, Peter. And when you get back up and dust yourself off, I want you to go with that newfound strength because your resiliency has been proven because you've gotten back up and you've turned back to me. I want you to use that newfound strength and resilience to strengthen your brothers. Now, Peter responds in verse 33, Lord, I'm ready to go with you uh, both to prison and to death. Peter's essentially saying, Lord, come on, I'm not going to fail you. I'm not going to turn away from you. I, there's no, there's going to be no reason for me to turn back because I'm not going to turn from. Lord, he told him, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. I tell you, Peter, he said, the rooster will not crow today until you deny me three times. Be ready for trouble in verse 35. He also said to them, when I sent you out without money bag, traveling bag or sandals, did you lack anything? Not a thing, they said. Then he said to them, but now whoever has a money bag should take it and also a traveling bag. And whoever doesn't have a sword should sell his robe and buy one. Again, what is the Lord doing? He's equipping. Before he sent them out, and he said, don't take any money bag, don't take any weapons, don't take any additional clothes, you know, just go. You will be cared for. You will be taken care of. And that's what happened. And they healed the sick, they drove out demons, they were successful on their mission. This time, he's sending them out. And he says, now... But now, whoever has a money bag should take it. Whoever has a traveling bag, take it. Take money. Take extra clothes. And whoever doesn't have a weapon, whoever doesn't have a sword, should sell his robe and buy one. In other words, you're going to go out, but this time, you're going to have to possibly protect yourself. See? Because there are going to be some, some traps and some wickedness out there, and you're going to have to indulge in self-defense. Verse 37, for I tell you, what is written must be fulfilled in me. And he was counted among the lawless. So Jesus is, 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 is foretelling about what's about to happen to him, and he will, in fact, be amongst other prisoners, other criminals. Yes, what is written about me is coming to its fulfillment. Lord, they said, look, here are two swords. That is enough, he told them. Essentially, I guess he was saying, yes, you're ready to go. 
The prayer in the garden, verse 39. Covered this in Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 through 46 in episode 190. Key verse is verse 42. Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel, this does not appear in the other gospels, then an angel, at least not in Mark and Matthew, then an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. So Jesus is crying out of his soulishness, the anguish uh, that he's feeling. And he's saying, you know, Lord, if you can, take this cup away from me. I can't even imagine. I can't even bear what's about to happen to me. Yet, not my will. Yours be done, Lord. See, Yet, this is not what I came for. I know I have to fulfill my commitment and my obligation. Your will be done, Lord. Then an angel came from heaven and strengthened him. Verse 44. Being in anguish, he prayed even more fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. Can you imagine sweating blood in such anguish and such intense pressure that as you're sweating, instead of drops of salty water coming from your pores, it's blood. Mm. Judas's betrayal of Jesus. We covered this in Matthew chapter 26, verses 47 through 56 in episode 190. Key verses. When those around him saw, that was, saw what was going to happen to him, and so uh, uh, Jesus is coming back from the Mount of Olives uh, with James, John, and Peter, as well as the other disciples. Uh, and so uh, he gets confronted by Judas and the high priest, uh, police, and soldiers and whatnot. And it says when those around him saw what was going to happen to him, when the people, his disciples and others with Jesus saw what was going to happen to him, they said, Lord, should we strike with the sword? Now, remember, uh, Jesus had just essentially given them permission to arm themselves. And so they've got the sword. Lord, should we strike him? <laughs> you know, is this what we need the weapons for? Then one of them struck the high priest's servant and cut his right ear off. But Jesus responded, no more of this. And touching his ear, he healed him. So Jesus healed one of the uh, adversaries because that was not the time for it. You know, and, and it's suggested in other uh, scriptures that um, it was Peter who did this. Peter denies the Lord. Verse 54. We covered this in Matthew 26, verses 69 through 75 in episode 190. And it says in verse 60, but Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. See, remember, Peter, they were carting Jesus away, and Peter was following at a distance. He wasn't with the ones carting him away, but he was just observing from a distance. But other people were seeing people, uh, Peter. And so this, I believe, is the third time somebody has spotted Peter um, and, 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 and accused him of being a Galilean and with Jesus. And Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. Verse 61, then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. We don't find this detail in the other Gospels, right? And so he, I guess he's following at a distance, but he's still within eyesight of the mob that's carrying, carting Jesus away, right? And so Peter denies him twice, and on this third time, 
you know, and it says in um, in uh, Mark, I believe it is, or was it Matthew? I don't know that Peter was cussing. You know, he was he was, he was like, you know, I didn't blankety blank blank notice, man. I wasn't with him. This and other. You know, he was very adamant about not being with Jesus. You know, man, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, what do you? I don't know this guy. I don't know him because they accused him of having the same accent and everything. And it's you know when he did this, it immediately the rooster the rooster crowed. And then Jesus turned and looked at him. It's like, I told you, you would deny me three times before the rooster crowed. So Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Jesus faces the Sanhedrin. We covered this in Matthew chapter 6, verses 57 through 68, in episode 190. In verse 67, it says, They said, If you are the Messiah, tell us. But he said to them, If I do tell you, you will not believe. This is the crux of the whole matter. This is the crux of everything. <laughs> The whole promises of the Gospels, the whole good news, see, the whole new covenant is built on one thing. Do you believe? Do you believe that all of these things happen? And do you believe that Jesus says who he says he is? Do you believe that Jesus is in fact the Son of God? Do you believe that Jesus is, in fact, God manifested in flesh on earth? Do you believe that Jesus' death on the cross, which resulted in the spilling of his blood, was necessary for the atonement of mankind's sin so that man might have the opportunity to choose life, to choose eternal life through the admission of his belief in the divinity of Jesus. That's the whole ball game. That's the whole thing. Do you believe? Before the Sanhedrin, they asked him, if you are the Messiah, tell us. But he said to them, if I do tell you, you will not believe. He's asking you and I, do you believe? For if you do, and if you publicly confess with your mouth that I, Jesus, am Lord, and if you in fact sincerely believe it in your heart, then you shall come face to face with eternal life. You shall not be put to shame. You shall be with me in the kingdom of my Father. That's the whole ballgame, people. That's the whole thing. And with that, we are done, and we will pick things up in episode 207 tomorrow. If Jesus should not happen to come between now and tomorrow, and should the Lord grant me another day of life, I will see you tomorrow in the next episode.
Everybody stay safe. Be blessed. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Take care. Bye-bye.